Greetings, fair listeners. Um, I don't know if I talked about this or not last time, but I do want to mention it because it is remarkable and I think important. So I've long believed that uh, human, the human psyche does interact with the cosmos and like the weather in particular and can affect the weather, which sounds all kooky and like um, woo woo. But I mean, I've just witnessed enough incidences where I've like, you know, done a rain dance or sung a rain song and it rained the next day kind of thing. Or, you know, the things I told you, I think last time maybe where our friend drove up and there was a little sprinkle rain shower, just like tiny little right as he came up and then it ended. And it's just like, what? That was just too perfect. Um, but so, yeah, what I wanted to talk about briefly was just the fact that after that cosmic touchdown um, that I had, like a visionary experience that I had where my perception just expanded to the level of like the cosmos. And I saw this, like clairvoyantly saw this huge water droplet, like a messenger from space, like the, like the hydrological cycle, the water of the universe was like speaking to me and letting me know that water would be coming or was available. And I thought that it was because I was speaking with, you know, collaborators who want to co-create a reforesting of this desertified valley. And it made perfect sense to me. The challenge for me was conveying that to other people who don't kind of have those kinds of experiences regularly or don't think that way or whatever. But sure enough, and this is what I wanted to mention, we had an exceptional three rainstorms within about a week and a half week of that visionary experience. And the third rainstorm we had just a few days ago was the biggest I've ever seen. I, I happened to get outside really early in the morning after that third night of rain, and it my gully was flooded to three to four times its width. And I was just ecstatic to see that amount of water. Now, granted, I had blowouts on all my road berms, which is, you know, my vow to you to be honest about things that, are, that I'm failing at out here so that when you go to do it, you know, you can learn from my mistakes if that's something that you're listening to this podcast in order to do. But um, I have kind of thought about and talked with someone about kind of how to maybe do it better. And I know that you know, there's ways I can make it better already. I've already known that when I was building it, just kind of did the best I could with my shovel. I mean, one woman and a shovel is pretty funny, really, but that's what I got. And the more I plant and, you know, improve my land, the less I can get heavy equipment out here because it, the person driving it would most likely destroy and drive over plants and then just compact soil, etc. So it's kind of like um, a little bit of a a catch-22 or something like that, but it doesn't matter because my soil is very diggable. Um, I can do a shovel's length of digging, you know, really easily. The most, in most cases, the, sh the sh uh, shovel will go in pretty easily. Sometimes it gets really tough when it's waterlogged and heavy, and it's very, you know, like the day after, a few days after a rainstorm. But for the most part, I can do a lot with a shovel. And just the other day, I've done about this is this is my third day that I did earthwork um, in a row, and I am fatigued. Um, I've been fatigued for three days just because it's such hard work. Uh, why am I not wearing my sunglasses right now? I'm squinting. This is funny. Okay, here we go. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm sitting outside in my hammock, which I moved to the east side of my shelter because it has this fantastic deep shade pocket in the afternoons, and um, it's a nice place to be. But anyway, so... Uh, I have done a bunch of earthworks. Today what I did was I went and gathered rocks along the road 
and placed them in areas where I had blowouts. I was only able to get one of the major blowouts kind of more or less done, and I think I do need some more rocks to really finalize it to the intuitively finished level that I'm going for. <laughs> it's kind of like just look at it and think, okay, that probably should hold, you know. And then I'm going to need to shovel a bunch of dirt onto it in my strategy for doing that. So I'm not necessarily having to like wheelbarrow up my driveway and down the road, which I love wheelbarrowing. Don't get me wrong. It's a great workout, which I crave because flat, you know, first urban and now desert. Um, it's still flat where I live. So it's just the opportunities for good exercises is they're low. So anyway, it, it's the one one of the few drawbacks of being out here. But. Um, what I figured is instead of doing that, I can save myself a lot of time and energy by just digging my soils deeper and widening them into pools and using that soil to build up those berms bigger. Now I'm still going to probably have to come in with outside soil and I do have that pile that's closer to the road that I can wheelbarrow in to widen those berms to really make them where they're like significant, you know. And it's something that I've known I needed to do, like I said, the whole time, but I just didn't get to it because I did what I could and you know, where, when I was here and the time I had and all that, all those details. So going into this winter season, I'm pretty, pretty much planning for if it's going to give me enough warm days where it's warm enough where I can layer up and go outside and it's maybe sunny, you know, it's not just like nasty out, um, then I can really work on widening the gully, getting pools established, really doing it the right way. Um, one of the values of going out when it's actually raining or rather in some cases when it's done raining but it's just the gullies full and the system's full of water is really getting to work with the flow itself not just trying to look at traces in the ground and I've mentioned this I think before but the last time I went out there where I told you it was that third big rainstorm we had overnight rainstorm and I got to see how much it had flooded um, I mean I was getting like you know riverine serpentine you know multi-channel action you know uh, it was pretty awesome to see but I was able to put in some quick, you know, okay, I see the water's flooding out this way. Quick, let's, I'm going to dig a swale and a miniature berm, and it's going to look like shit, but it's going to kind of stop the, slow down the water a little bit, right? And I was able to place those in spots where I know they're going to get hit by the, the next storm event, right? So that was really very valuable. And then I can come in later when it's dried out a bit, and it's, I'm not, you know, just frantically struggling to get the, to stop the water. Um, or have the time to actually make it deeper and wider and correct the angles of the, you know, the edges of the swale um, and the berm and smooth them all out. And my favorite tool, which, you know, this is a good tip, I think, if you want to do this kind of thing, it's a concrete spreader. And I bought it for, I think it was like 30 bucks from this contractor who had it over at my house one time. And um, I had an intuitive hit that it would be really good for, for, you know, doing earthworks. And sure enough, it's fucking perfect. It is rectangular, so obviously you can't make, you know, certain spots you're not going to be able to make it all perfectly concave. But that totally doesn't matter because you can more or less get a swale and a berm to be very beautifully uh, formed. And I do think there is something to that because it's like some stability in geometry or something. Because... Even though those, the pit swales I have, that I did months and months ago, that I did smooth out and make really beautiful wide ovals out of, those are the ones that always hold the, the water the longest, which I think is good, right? Uh, like allowing that water to be, to be there the longest and not go down into the ground too, super fast, I think that's good. Um, so that's fascinating to me. 
Um, but so I did go up yesterday and this, I was only able to work half a day yesterday because I was so fatigued from my full day. I did a full day on Wednesday. It was like all freaking day long. It was awesome. I was just outside working my butt off. I got so much done. I'll talk about that in a minute. But yesterday what I did before I just, I really pushed myself through because I was fatigued before I was done, but I was like, no, finish this shit, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> come to a clear point where it's a, it's a good time for a break. Um, but I was able to smooth out and deepen a series of pit swales that I did up from my structure up to the check dam. And then that little edge of the check dam that that contractor who I had dig it um, had left open so that actually what was happening was my check dam was then emptying. It would fill up and then it was actually pouring out and that was causing, I mean, I was down working on, and I was just like, fuck, I, I need to go up there and stop that. I bet you that's, this is check dam water right now, you know, because there's a certain point where the, the, the overland flow coming into the check dam ceases and really it's just the check dam spilling out now. So I went up and I finally like properly, you know, built up that berm so that the, like I said, the geometry of it is most likely going to hold water at this point. It's not just some janky few shovelfuls, you know, ha hanging out. Um, it's, it's actually like got a nice angle of slope for the, the berm itself. Um, so we'll see how that holds. I might need to add rocks at some point later, but I have a feeling that it, because the water is, um, more quiet in the check dam, it's, it's pouring in and just sitting there. It's not like this torrential rush. Um, it doesn't need to get out as, as badly. It's, it's comfortable there if it has, you know, I guess as a way of putting it, um, but so I got all of those smoothed out and done, and that was like my first series of them, but it was along the path of water. So it was just really helpful to be able to do all of that. And I'm freaking totally exhausted, but I feel so excited at the same time. And on a certain level, it feels really good to just use your body to the max, you know, where you're like, oh, <laughs> like, when do we ever do that? You know, I talked about, I mentioned that briefly, the exercise opportunities out here. Um, you know, I don't live in a hilly parcel on a hilly parcel so I just you know it's like walk down the road and back boring um and I haven't made it out to go hiking yet I kind of don't like the driving thing um one of my neighbors said I could hike on his property on the road or whatever but the road is I tried it and it really was pretty much flat most of the time and he was saying that it's hilly later and I'm like yeah I don't I don't know how long of a hike I want to take I'm not a big long hike person I like a good quick you know quick and dirty kind of a hike um get in get out get her done <laughs> but um I was talking with a friend of mine uh a new friend I'd made here and she's an artist as well and she was talking about selling artwork and she was showing me what had sold and showing me her work and so it was really kind of nice and then I went to one of the galleries and asked them what you know what sells typically and they were saying it was like you know they gave me a specific um, subject matter that like really sells. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go need to visit some of these places that are make for good sellable subject matter. So at some point when I'm in a position I can take that on, I'm gonna do the art thing too. Um, Cause I do have an MFA and of course the plan was, that was one of the business entities that I have is to sell art, make and sell art, but I need to build my studio first. And I was looking at a 10 by 12 shed with no windows, and I've decided not to go that route. It was $800, and I think what I'm going to do instead is do earth bags. And that's going to be insulated by, you know, by nature. It'll be really sturdy, and I can put windows wherever I want really easily. I could probably do that with a shed, but the windows that I have are, like, way more thick. 
and heavy than the walls of the shed. So it just, the whole thing didn't feel right to me. So I'm going to do earth bags. I'm going to actually like try this earth bag thing. And I think I know where I want the studio, but I'm going to do a rectilinear one and there's ways to do that. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. It's going to be fun. It's going to take a while. They say it's everybody I've ever asked about earth bags. They're like, Oh, it's so much work. I'm like, but yeah, but that's, you know, that's life. You know, you just, you gotta, you know, it's either money or labor. Right. Um, but so the, I would say, so the, the last three days, the other thing that I did, um, that was so satisfying and, and I'm really so happy finally getting somewhere with was I moved all the cacti out of the orchard space. There's two cacti that I just spotted yesterday and today that I missed. But I, for, for the most part, got like a huge amount, like multiple wheelbarrows piled high with these really spiny, painful cacti. Like one of them, one of their little, even just a dead branch, I accidentally, like it touched my toe today and it fucking hurt. Oh my God. It was like being bitten by something. I looked down, I was kind of like worried I'd gotten bitten by a rattlesnake. Cancel the thought. Um, but anyway, what I did was I, and this was on Wednesday when I did the full day of work, I transplanted them all out along the road berms on either side of my driveway and then leading up to um, the, toward the, the address posts that I have. And then I put in two of these really beautiful yucca stalks that I had gathered on a hike once. Um, at the top of my road, there's this hill, this really rocky hill. And I went up there, I've gone up there a couple times and uh, it's not the most enjoyable because you really can't go very fast and it's, you have to pick your way through cause you know, you never, you're just gonna step on something painful if you don't watch where you're going. <laughs> And then I've always taken the dog, so I have to, like, be careful, you know, not to lead her into getting stabbed. Um, but I found these really tall, beautiful, straight yucca stalks, and I took them home with me. And that was, like, maybe a month ago. And I just, like, put them in the ground on either side of my driveway. And it amazes me. They create instant atmosphere. I think because they're so tall. This was the reason I got into landscape architecture in the first place, was that the way that you could create atmosphere so so powerfully with landscape design. But just these two tall spires, um, not even alive. They just create this amazing presence and atmosphere. And it gives this sense of a gateway. And it has this really Native American vibe to it, which I love. And um, so the whole front entry of my property now has this, like, purpose. It's It has this sense of place now. And um, the cacti also, in addition to being really great hardy shrubs, essentially, um, they are like kind of like don't fuck with me you know <laughs> and i think they're very very suitable to put at the you know entrance to your property if you don't want trespassers you know um <laughs> so i just love that i love transplanting i've always loved transplanting because you can do so much with it and like for instance at a flea market in town last week i ended up finding i bought um two red yuccas in gallon pots for five bucks a piece which is a super smoking deal and um, when I went to, because I, I figured they probably were dividable. And sure enough, when I went to go plant them, I ended up with four plants. So I put those on either side of my driveway toward the entrance um, near the address posts that I put in. And those are going to be fantastic. They're going to add to my other yucca and uh, century plants. And um, so that was really fun, too. I got those in the ground. And then I got some uh, rotama trees in the ground near the entrance as well, one on either side of and outside of, you know, for kind of farther out away from the two address posts on either side of the driveway, kind of near the road. Um, and I just today actually walked past my, a couple of my little acacias that I have in the ground on the other side of the wetland, on the, the east side of the wetland. And 
there was one in the tree in the middle that I didn't know what it was. These were trees I had get gotten um, from that guy people were saying was CIA. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's one of my people. <laughs> um, over the summer at the pool, and he hadn't labeled them, and I hadn't written down that he'd told me they were. But I think that that's a Rotama, so that's really helpful. Um, of course, I don't remember what seed they were, so I <laughs> still don't know what seeds I have. But I bet you, you know what? Actually, I bet you one of them's Wiesatch, because I know one of them's Mesquite. So there we go, Rotama, Wiesatch, and Mesquite, is, if that is what that is. I looked up Rotama, though, and the leaves didn't look anything like this, which all the locals have said, oh, that's Rotama. I'm like, I don't know, man. Maybe it isn't Rotama, but it's a tree. <laughs> And it grows well out here, so, and it's doing well. It had looked weird at first, and then I just took care of it a little better, and it's doing fantastic now. So I did notice on some of the acacias that I put in the ground maybe a month ago that they have gained about two inches of growth, which is fantastic. Um, not all of them are the same, but in general. And then also, I have to say, this is really cool, uh, because we get these really intense storms out here during the monsoon and then most of the time it's dry my question was what's going to happen to the acacia that i have up in the check dam because it's not in the center but it is in you know where the flood zone would be um and the first one of the first storms we had i didn't um, just in the last you know couple weeks i didn't it, it didn't get inundated but the last storm we had it was fully underwater and i went out there i think it was yesterday to check on it the thing's just fine. It's totally fine. It's no no longer underwater, and it just looks like great. Like it just handled being underwater for two days somehow. So that's amazing. And these are Acacia farnesiana. So just FYI. Um, one thing that I did today that I'm really excited about was I spent several hours trying to figure out. I had made a list of all the trees and some shrubs that I need to get in the ground before winter. And I, it's quite a long list, actually. <laughs> Uh, which surprised surprised me, but it was good to get everything all in one place on a piece of paper. I could look at it and say, okay, this is what I've got to deal with here because things are in different spots, you know. Um, and then what I did was I made a map and I've decided finally, like, where am I going to put all this shit? And that was a big deal for me because I was kind of half acidly wandering around, occasionally going, ah, I don't know what to put here. Well, well, eh. you know, I just felt really vague about it for a long time. And so this was just kind of me getting down to business and doing what I do professionally for myself, kind of-ish. Um, so I had that sketch, and then luckily I had the sketch, and it was labeled with the plant names, of course, so because my plant list blew away. <laughs> so couldn't find it. Wandered around looking for it. Couldn't find it. But what I did, though, from the map is I went and put flags in the ground, and I labeled them with a Sharpie. So now... I don't have to drag my notebook out there or refer to some screenshot or something. I can just go out and be like, this is where this plant's going. Cool. And it was also nice to kind of get out into the field, quote unquote, and make intuitive adjustments, you know, from the map. And most of the time it was right around where I, you know, the right spot in the ground was right where I had thought it would be on the map um, really pretty accurately. But there were a couple cases where I noticed, oh, wow, there could be two trees here that, um, you know, I really didn't have anything here on the map. Um, so, and I have uh, several acacia and eucalyptus left that I can put in those spots. So that was just really a good exercise, and now I'm much more settled. I feel really clear, and I have a direction. It's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm, you know, I know where these things are going. 
So then that allows me, and at least the way my brain works, um, to go ahead and execute the next step of it and plan a day when I'm when I have some energy and maybe it'll take two days or three days for me to get everything in the ground because there's a lot of them. But then I can just, you know, execute. I can just plant, you know. And I did order another 12 clay pots, uh, the terracotta clay pots. They're around five and a half inches. And I figured with some of these, the clay pot, the, the ceramic dish that they come with, um, it's a little small, but I figured out with some of them that if you turn it upside down, it fits a lot better and gives you more water in the pot. You need to fill the pot more. So, um, it's more or less working. And then I've got some large pots, uh, which I, you know, I'm gonna have to just figure out how to find lids for, or rather trays for that I can use as lids. Um, but I have about six clay pots remaining, uh, that all have lids. Two of them are huge, um, and I've never used a huge one before, so maybe I can do it with like do that for like the bacon avocado and no actually avocados don't like a lot of water so not that <laughs> but maybe something that is on my list that I lost um that ha that likes a little more water or something I don't know but I have six clay pots left and so what I'm do I did order another 12 and hopefully they'll get here within a week or less and then I can really get a lot of things in because I don't think everything I'm not going to do everything in a clay pot or with a clay pot rather I'm going to use the water boxes for some things. I have been trying to do this different method with the water boxes, and so far it seems way better. And it's so funny because it's how I would have done it intuitively. But when I first were doing was doing these water boxes, I had no idea how you were supposed to do them. I couldn't even picture it. I was just like, what? Um, I was like, do the trees go in the box? Like, how does this work? So I had to download this separate PDF that was not provided by the people selling them it, you know I had to like hunt the web and find this rando pdf that had pictures and steps but it was done in from you know in another country and so like the language wasn't English as a first you know language and it was just kind of like you had to just kind of like fill in the blank a little bit and the pictures didn't always show you like exactly what the fuck they were talking about even though it was really helpful but they had it sitting on top of the soil on, on at the surface of the soil and they had you mound dirt up around it, which made it so that it was kind of like useless to use mulch in a way. And you were like, it was sheeting water. So what I did was when I realized that that didn't work and it killed most of the trees that I bought, which really fucking sucks. And it was expensive. It was an expensive lesson or mistake. Um, but I just decided, okay, I'm going to do it my way. And that's to sink everything down, make it concave. You, you know, and so what I do basically now is I'm digging this big old swale pool. And then I'm digging a planting hole out of the bottom of that and I'm putting the tree in and then I'm setting the water box down over that and then I'm mounding soil back around that but in a, it still makes it so that water is basically puddling into that space so it's still catching water and then I can mulch uh, around that as well. So it's just to me it just makes way more sense and I'm really hoping that it works. <laughs> Hopefully by this time next year or whenever I, I'll know for sure if it works or not I'll be saying to you it fucking worked. Yay. Um, but you know, I have yet to see. So, um, but several things I'm going to do with water boxes. I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then there's nine. I think I've got nine to work with, um, that I've sort of brought, pulled out. And I've got a few that I've already planted with, I think one, two, three, four or so that I've, um, that I've reused already. And then there's, oh no, I've got 10, 11 because of the two walnuts that died. I think that's it. So 
anyway, so I've got a good number of them, and then I've got, I'll have the clay pot. So I'm, that's what I'm going to use to get everything in the ground. And then there's some things I'm going to have closest to the structure, closer, uh, close enough to the structure where I can just water them when I go around and water. Um, and ultimately, one thing that I'm really looking forward to is once I get like the beds in place and the things in place and I kind of have like a pretty good idea of like, okay, this is what's going in and this is, you know, I might be able to add minor things later, which I'm hoping would be by this time next year, I would have at least a good basis for around the structure. I can put in fucking drip irrigation <laughs> for the things that don't have the clay pots in the boxes. And even the clay pots, you can drip to clay, you know, you can drip, like you can run a line out and have it, the emitter go into the clay pot and fill the clay pot, you know? You'd have to have that on a separate um, zone, though, obviously, because you'd only need to, to run that like every few days um, for a short amount of time just to fill the clay pot, right? So it's it's a it would be its own thing. But I'm just talking about all the things that are in the ground that I do not have a clay pot or a water box um, to irrigate. So, but anyway, it's just been really awesome um, to get all this stuff done. It's really just like filling my soul with joy. <laughs> Um, but it's just really epic to get like get it done, you know, getting things in the ground is such a relief Because um, that's where they belong and they can kind of fend for themselves a lot better when they're in the ground um, And we got really lucky we got this huge amount of water and I'm just still blown away that I got given that psychic um, Message from space man from the cosmos man That a large amount of water was gonna come and sure enough it did, you know, so heck yeah, man the the cabal didn't destroy my childlike sense of wonder at the world, you know, and they also didn't destroy my psychic abilities, um, cause fuck them. <laughs> um, so they're, they're kind of helping me navigate, um, in some ways. Um, so that was like a lot. That's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to talk about. Uh, there probably is, um. I always have all these cool ideas and things that I want to tell you about. And then I like get time to actually record the podcast. And I'm like, uh, I think that's everything. And then I'll like end it and I'll be like, damn it. Why didn't I talk about that? Um, well, I guess I could talk about the B and B's a little bit. The storm damage to the A-frame shell, uh, shade sail was basically it didn't break it, but it ripped it down. It ripped it's one of the posts completely down. It tilted one of the other posts. And I just kind of been like, I don't want to go out there. Um, I'm kind of waiting to get my energy back and I'm defaulting to doing what I love to do. And I know it's irresponsible because what I'm loving to do isn't making money. It's costing money. Uh, and the B and B theoretically would be making money, but I'm just like, I'm, I've psychologically just not prepared to go out there and do that. But I did get a good look at the post that fell over. And sure enough, it's cause I only ended up pouring about, gosh, I want to say maybe eight inches of cement, maybe six to eight inches of cement around the post. I mean, duh. But when it's in the ground, you know, I didn't really, I was trying to conserve the whole wheelbarrow that I had of, you know, for the three posts. And I think I just undershot that one. Um, I think the other two are much more, well, the one that's upright is obviously better. <laughs> but so I'll just need to do another batch of the cement and um, redo the posts and then they should be fine. Um, and I'll get that shade sail back up. And I'm a little concerned about the strand lights. They just keep blowing down. I think maybe they're just not burly enough for the weather we get for the wind. So I might have to upgrade the strand lights. But um, that's pretty much uh, the only other thing with the B&Bs that I would say is that I'm I'm also procrastinating the camper because I have to reupholster the seat cushion. I don't have to, but I, I choose to. 
um, and it, it rained and when it rains here sometimes the wind blows the rain in and the shelter completely gets soaked so everything inside the shelter is not safe and that's what happened and the um, you know the the faux leather alligator skin is like covered in basically mud you know dust mud um, and then the um, cushion has probably dried out by now I'm guessing but was soaked you know and they all fell over onto the ground as well so it's just like oh god I actually there were actually two days uh during like we basically we had like two nights of really intense storm uh like wind and rain and then we had a reprieve i don't remember for how many days and then we had another really intense um overnight storm uh and that was within i think the same week and uh so everything just completely was like dreary and cold and wet and it just reminded me of oregon and i just uh God, I was in Oregon for way too long, and I should have left decades before I did. And <laughs> um, it just was—I was thinking to myself the other day on this, like it was like the second or third day of this dreary, cold, wet. You know, you had to fucking turn on your heater, and thank God the repairman finally came down. He didn't make an appointment. He just was like, "I'm okay, I'm coming down." I'm like, "Oh, okay. I guess I'll just cancel my dance practice." Uh, cool. And um. He, he, but he did um, service my uh, furnace and luckily didn't need to replace it. And, and I had heat for the cold. So it was like good timing, actually. But uh, anyway, that the, the weather just, man, I was just like, fuck this weather. I moved away from Oregon for a reason. I don't like this weather. Is this how it's going to be, man? You know, like we forget the sun. You forget what it's like to see the, be able to see the sky. It's all overcast. And you're kind of like getting seasonal affective disorder <laughs> in like two days. But the d next day, the sun, it was almost like it heard me. It was like, oh, I'm back, you know, and now it's like kind of a little bit uncomfortably warm again and uh, and beautifully sunny. And you can see the whole blue sky, the horizon, the horizon again. So thank you, Texas, for being so sunny. Um, Let's see. Uh, I would say there's not a whole, see, every time I say that, something's going to come up, I'm sure. If I just get up and walk around, there'll be something to talk about, I'm sure. Um. Not that I really want to get up, but uh, I want to be thorough. Um, maybe what I'll do is talk about specifically where I want to plant a few of these these things on my list. I think it's it's relevant and valuable. So I did find that in the greenhouse, sure enough, I just get up and then there's stuff. In the greenhouse, I had a beautiful blackberry that I had grown in, I think I had it in Oregon, and then I had potted it up and moved it to Altadena. California and I'd had it there and it was producing amazing berries it was getting like really good sun and happy happy and then I took that with me and I had it in the greenhouse in a pot for a long time and then I moved it out to the uh, southeast corner of my shelter and I don't don't know why but it just died but so I was really sad because it just made such beautiful berries it was a thornless variety Ugh, yum um like big as your probably almost as big as your thumb, like I would say two-thirds of your thumb berries, just delicious. But um, what happened, what I noticed was that though the roots had grown down out of the pot, I guess, and it had, it they sprouted leaves. So I had like four plants that I just dug up and I put in the ground, one of which I put in the spot where the original one was. I'm going to try again, and I suspect that it might be just time of year that I'm planting, you know, because now it's cool and, you know, you, they have the winter to develop a root system and be happy. Um, I really think that that might be what it was. And so 
I put that, put those um, one there, and then I put um, one at the center post right to the south on the inside of the column. And I'll do a trellis for that or something. And then I put two in the trellis, in the, in the bed with the trellis on the southwest corner. And, um, you know, they're looking like they've been, you know, shocked by being pulled up, but it looks like they're, you know, I will see if I make it, you know, I can only hope. So I did those. And then where I'm going to put, I'm going to do a bottle brush, um, which I love, always love bottle brush. I've always just loved them. And uh, they grow well here, uh, theoretically, from my research, that's what it says anyway. And I'm going to put one on the outside of that central southern facing column. And then staggered away from that a little further to the east, I'm gonna, and about maybe eight feet away, I'm going to do a um, manzanita. And I love manzanita family so much. God, beautiful. Um, but I'm going to do, I'm going to try one. It's really small, and I'm going to do a clay pot for that. Uh, I can, it's, it's in good view, like I can see it. It's not obstructed by anything, but I still just want to make sure that it has supplemental water to get started. And in between, this is like in between the three pomegranates that I already have kind of growing, which they'll be like right on the fence, no, just outside the fence line, or the wall I'm going to do. I might move the wall out a little bit, though. We'll see. Um, and then I'm going to do a desert willow, just to, um, I'd say maybe about 15 feet, 12, 15 feet out from the shelter, um, kind of near the pomegranate. I might want to move that, though, because I don't want to block the pomegranate, um, but... I might do that a little further out, so it's not kind of blocking the sun, the western sun, uh, access. But it'll be kind of staggered to the west and the southwest from that center column. And that'll be something that I can see from my nook when I'm sitting in there and I my, my main view. It'll be a beautiful thing to look at. And then all the way, whoop, all the way outside the one of the tanks, water tanks. I'm gonna do. Um, this acacia that I bought, it's an acacia rubita, and it's about three feet tall, and it's really beautiful. Um, it's staggered off of the tanks to the southwest of the furthest tank, and that'll be in my view as well, so I'll have something beautiful to look at, because I, I do stare out that window, like, most of the time. <laughs> most of my time I spend in that freaking nook, so I want there to be something in my view. And then all the way on the other side of what's going to be the natural swimming pool, I'm going to do this beautiful eucalyptus that I purchased. It's about three feet tall right now. It has beautiful blue lanceolate here leaves. And I want to look at it, so I'm putting it on the other side of that huge mound that I need to um, do something with. <laughs> kind of near what was where that one, one of the pines that died was, but it's much further to the west. It's like probably about 15, 12, 15 feet away from where that pine was. Um, so, but it'll still give me something to, to look at and it'll shade the natural pool from that south sun, the southern exposure once it's um, all grown up. Um, let's see, I don't think I have a ton of stuff on the far west side because I've got my eucalyptus, which by the way, I was looking this morning and I was thinking about how much they've grown and it's like good four inches, maybe six inches of growth. Super healthy in, in certain cases, mostly where like there's been good um, swale action. But um, yeah, they look really good. Um, and so the pine is looking good, the, the one that did survive, um, and I'm just monitoring it, um, you know, not over or underwatering. Down, I'd say from that to the about 12 feet away from the pine to the east, 
and to the north, I'm going to do um, the madrone that I bought. And I love madrone. They're very slow growing as far as I understand it, but I just love them. And I found one that'll grow here, theoretically. <laughs> you know, guides are one thing. Research is one thing and actual is another, but and all plants are idiosyncratic. So, you know, we'll have to see. About 12, 15 feet away from that, I'm going to do an olive. And that's going to be along the um, west side of the um, turnaround driveway, the access driveway for water delivery and that kind of thing. Um, I'll put an olive there on the other side of that uh, part of the driveway. It'll be a really nice screening from the west. And then um, about maybe 10, 12 feet away from that, I'm going to do a pineapple guava. And again, that'll be really nice screening along the west. That'll be along that um, driveway as well. And then I'll do another olive about 10 feet away from that. And that's in the vicinity of where one of the, uh, water, the walnuts that died was, but it'll provide good screening from the road as people approach coming from the west along my road. Um, so they're not like looking in at my shelter. And I have a bunch of other strategically placed plant, uh, trees to do the same, but that way I've got layers. And then to the um, east of that, about 15 feet, I've got a little um, acacia that I put in to one of the swales that I expanded and I've got a little clay pot for that and good straw mulch and some I found that when I put like dead branches around the mulch it t tends to hold it down from the wind pretty well weirdly um, and then down from that about another I'd say 12 feet um, I have a flag that I think I want to do like either acacia or eucalyptus depending on what I have um, left and then the same thing about another maybe 10 feet away and that's still giving the living walnut about hmm, 15, 18 feet away from its trunk. So it's a little bit of a risk, but it's a good spot to have something. And if, if I'm really on it, maybe what I'll do is do some research to pick something that you know can handle a walnut. And then I want to do another acacia or eucalyptus on the corner of this driveway outlet um, that enters, you know, that kind of touches my main driveway because it's just this kind of empty corner. Um, but it's far enough away. It's still like 12 feet away or so from the walnut. So I'm going to risk it. Um, and even though it's kind of near the yucca that's there, I think it should be okay. Because it's, it's, you know, be a more upright tree. Um, so that's, that's that stuff. And then I have one of my willows is amazingly about six inches. It's grown. Yeah. Um, from when I put it in, that's badass. God. And all it has is a little clay pot. Um, the eucalyptus I put into the orchard, they're doing good. I, it's, it was hard for me to put non-fruit, you know, in the orchard, but I finally like, you know, started doing the right thing and I'm putting non-fruit, you know, hardy, in some cases, nitrogen fixers, um, into the orchard to provide shade, you know, and windbreak for, um, the fruit trees and nut trees I want to eventually put in here. And I think they'll still be spaced. Um, I am kind of just like letting the other willows with the clay pots do their thing. Hopefully they will do something. Um, when I've tried to pull them up, they're very green under there. So I don't know if I kind of killed them <laughs> by doing that. Um, but yeah, I've got a really good, one of those lanceolate blue leaf willow, uh, eucalyptus along the far west side of the orchard. That'll provide some good shade for the center of the orchard. And I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do... I don't think I want to do the avocado on the far um, edge of the orchard here on the west side, but more the like southwest side. 
because I think giving it some shelter from the heat would, from the sun would be good. So I'm kind of, I have to figure out where I want to put it, but I've got plenty of space. But it's a hearty bacon avocado. If you're interested in hearty, cold hearty avocados, it's called a hearty bacon avocado. And it can handle like down to, I think, 29 degrees or something like that. So below freezing. Um, and it only freezes here every, like a few times, um, I think a year. So it's, it's not the worst thing ever. I did put another oleander in. I got a much bigger one. It's like twice the size of the one I originally bought and it was like less, <laughs> it's like $10 less, go figure. But I put that to where it'll screen from the road and it's, it gives me this little path between the Chinese pistache tree and it and to where, to where I walk to my, my car. Um, and the pear tree is still alive somehow. This is the one tree that survived in a water box. Um, I think there might be one other one that survived, but so um, I think that's mainly, that's mainly everything I planned for. There's a, actually there's, there's some, no, I'm gonna do blueberries and raspberries on the corner, the southwest corner um, with the, those two blackberries. I'm gonna put those in that bed. I think they'll be perfect for that. The blueberries can go in the swale just outside of that bed and they'll get like really good sun there and I'll make sure I treat them really well. And then I, I don't have my list, it blew away, so I don't remember the rest, but yeah. Anyway, suffice it to say I have a lot to do. And that was, that little notification sound was my phone dying. So um, I let someone use my charger and it turned my charger into a slow charging charger instead of a fast charging charger for some reason. Um, like it got an STD or something like a device STD, it's pretty funny. Um, but so I'm gonna end the recording, but you should have enough of my goings on, my happenings to get a good idea of what's going on um, at this point. And as usual, I really appreciate you listening. And uh, if you know of anybody who's trying to do this kind of thing or interested in doing this kind of thing, or who knows someone else who wants to do it or is interested, please pass along um, my podcast to them and help me grow my, my listenership. Um, I really appreciate it. And if you want to take a look at the book I'm writing, Zombie Permaculture, which is my uh, magnum opus, my kind of master work, my life's work um, book, which exposes what we're all really up against and how to actually effectively combat it. Uh, you can go to zombiepermaculture.com. Um, and I did get some videos uh, processed, edited, and uploaded to the YouTube channel. So I started season two of the YouTube series for this project. And you can go check out the first episode on YouTube right now. And if you just um, look for zombie permaculture, you, you'll find it. I'm the only one with that name that I know of. Um, and if you have trouble finding it, just let me know. But um, with that, I'm going to get ready to go do laundry and go to movie night. And the doggo has been walked and the podcast has been recorded. So thank you so much for listening and have a good one, you guys.